please to the book of Exodus 23 and verse 25. I'll read from the English Standard Version, but you follow me in your Bible. It says, you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you. The NLT, New Living Translation says, and I will protect you from illness. So many years ago, I heard Kenneth Copeland, Brother Kenneth Copeland say, standing on the platform in a meeting, he made the statement, it's God's perfect will to heal you. And immediately the Lord spoke to him and said, no, it's not. And he paused for a moment and said, Lord, and the spirit of God spoke to him and said, it's my perfect will that you never get sick. Hallelujah. You see, there's something better than divine healing. It's divine health. Hallelujah. So in this verse that we read to you, God promised not only to heal the Israelites if they got sick, but to shield them from illness. In Psalm 91 verse 10 the New English translation says, Psalm 91, verse 10, no illness will come near your home. Hallelujah. Some people, you know, even in the church world, some people will say things like, well, you know, brother, honestly, sickness is just a part of life. Well, that may be your experience and your expectation, but it doesn't have to be that way. There's a better way to live. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And notice in the verse that we read in Exodus, God said, I will bless your bread and your water. What is blessed water? What does blessed water look like? What an interesting statement, amen. But you may be interested to know that according to the World Health Organization, not that I normally would quote them, but according to the World Health Organization, Every year, 3.4 million people die from water-related diseases, making it the world's number one killer. Of course, that's not including abortion, because every year, 73 million people are killed through abortion, making it the world's all-time killer, 11 times more than the number of Jews who were killed in the Holocaust every year. But that's another sermon. Hallelujah. So God said he'll bless your water. That has something to do with healing, divine health, doesn't it? Are you listening to me? So long before there was bottled water or filtered water, there was God's blessed water. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. In India, we all drink bottled water. I don't know anybody that doesn't drink. In fact, pff, India, how about America? I drink bottled water here too, but it's just a thought here, you know. I mean, after all... Uh, you know, did you ever consider that Evian is naive spelled backwards? 
And if you're paying $5 a bottle for smart water, it's not working. <laughs> I'm just teasing with you. That's fine. Hallelujah. Amen. So God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, right? And Israel is a type. It has an allegorical meaning for us as well. It's a foreshadowing also of the realities we have now in Christ. So Israel is a type. They are God's covenant people, and it's a type of the believer today. Egypt is a type or a picture of the world. Israel's freedom from slavery is a type of our redemption in Christ. In Psalm 105 and verse 37, the Living Bible says this. Psalm 105 and verse 37. And he brought his people safely out from Egypt, loaded with silver and gold. There were no sick and feeble folk among them. Woo. By the way, notice they didn't leave Egypt broke. They were, and it doesn't say they, they had a little pocket change. They were loaded. And in and, and Exodus, I think it's chapter 3, verse 22, God said, you will plunder the Egyptians. They took it all. Woo! By the way, and God used that gold to build his tabernacle. The Ark of the Covenant, all the furnishings were made with gold. He built it. Bricklayers don't have a lot of gold. Uh, brick makers in Egypt don't have a lot of gold. He built it with Egyptian gold. You're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. But notice, there was not one weak or feeble person among their tribes. Now, according to Exodus chapter 12, verse 7, there were about 600,000 men that came out of Egypt. That's not including women and children. So the total number could easily be 2 million people. 2 million. That's just a little bit more than what we have here this morning. 2 million people. And there was not one sick or infirm person among them. I don't think you could go to a church this morning across America and find a congregation where there's not at least one sick person. There's two million people. It's larger than some states. There's not one sick person among them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God not only protected them from the plagues in Egypt, he kept them in good health. A terrible plague swept through Egypt the very night they were released. But God said in Exodus 12, 23, when I see the blood... I will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. That's a verse somebody here needs to take to heart. When I see the blood, I will not allow the destroyer to enter into your house. So notice God is not the destroyer. That's somebody else. That's the enemy. That's the devil. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the Passover lamb is naturally, obviously, a type of Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, Christ, our Passover. 
Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed or sacrificed for us. So if the blood of an animal, which was just a type, a foreshadowing of the real thing, if that blood could protect the Israelites, a nation of two million from sickness and disease and keep them well, will not the blood of Christ, the real thing, protect you from sickness and disease? The Bible says in Hebrews 11, they applied that blood by faith. You need to have faith in the blood of Jesus. And you need to apply that blood over your dwelling place by faith. They used a hyssop branch. You can use the hyssop branch of your tongue. Speak words of faith, words of the covenant. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Notice a scripture in the New Testament, 3 John 2. I think it's familiar to many of us. It says, beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Well, you know, John was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write this in scripture. I don't think John would ask God to give you something God didn't want you to have. So it's a fair statement to say that it must be God's will for it to go well with you financially and physically. Hmm? Praise the Lord. But notice that last phrase, it's significant. Even as your soul prospers or as it goes well with your soul. Just a thought here. John often uses the word soul to describe actually your spirit. In the book of Revelation, which by the way, John wrote by the spirit, in the book of Revelation 6, 9, he said, I saw under the altar, meaning in heaven, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. He didn't see their mind, will, and emotions. He saw the inward man. He saw the, the disembodied spirits of those who had died during the great tribulation. Yet he refers to the word soul. So the Greek word translated even as in 3 John 2 means in proportion to, to the degree that. So there is a connection. There's a correlation between your spiritual well-being and your physical well-being to the proportion or to the degree that it's going well with the man on the inside, that will have an effect with the man on the outside. Are listening to me? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So think about this. Your spirit man keeps your body alive, not the other way around. James 2.6, James 2.26 rather says, the body apart from the spirit is dead. The body apart from the spirit. Your inward man, your spirit keeps your body alive. And the moment your spirit leaves your body, the body dies. There's no, there's no, you know, empty shells of living bodies around there. They don't have a spirit in them. As soon as the spirit leaves, the body dies. And no man dies until his spirit leaves his body. Are you listening to me? Think about this verse. 
Uh, it's, not in, it's not on the projector screen because I just added it. I have that privilege to do sometimes. In Proverbs 18.24, the Amplified Bible says, listen, just listen, Proverbs 18.24, the strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. That would include sickness. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him in infirmity or in sickness, but a weak and broken spirit who can bear or raise up. I think it was John G. Lake who said, usually when you see a man who's sick in his body, he's first sick in his spirit. Your spiritual well-being has something to do with your physical well-being. So if you want divine health, you have to stay spiritually fit. And to be honest, some people are just not interested in that. I think we ought to, uh, you know, some people spend hours in the gym. Obviously, I'm not one of them. <laughs> but uh, my, my, my children, man, you know, every day they go to the gym. They're either going to the gym, they're at the gym, they're coming back from the gym, and that's all well when, I, when they go. Sometimes I go. When, when they go, I say, you know, lift some weights for me too when you think of me. But if you're going to spend an hour in the gym every day, I think you ought to spend at least an hour in the Word and prayer every day. Hallelujah. Consider this thought too. There is a spiritual element to sickness. It's not just a physical problem. Why do you say that? Well, the scripture says that God laid not only our sins, but our sicknesses on Christ. Isaiah 53 verse 4, the great redemptive chapter. Isaiah 53 and verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. A better translation would be, He took our sicknesses and carried our pains. In fact, the Jewish Publication Society translation reads that way. See? Well, Jesus healed the sick in Galilee, but he did not take their sicknesses and infirmities until Golgotha. In other words, when he healed somebody in Galilee and Judea, he didn't take that sickness on himself. Like you see Jesus and he's got leprosy. What happened? Well, I just healed a leper, so I've got a little bit of it now. No, he, that didn't happen. It was on the cross. Well, did God lay our sicknesses on Christ's body? Did he have breast cancer? There are certain conditions which it would be medically impossible for him to have. It was laid, like our sins, it was laid on his spirit. There is a spiritual element to sickness and disease. Are you listening to me? Divine healing doesn't begin in the body. It begins on the inside. And then it works its way out to the outside. Are you listening to me? Are listening to me? So as I said a moment ago, one key, very important key to divine health is being, staying spiritually fit, right? I mean, we can look at people, and you're looking at me right now. We can look at people and say, he's not really in good shape, right? You know, you know like he, he doesn't look like he's doing well. 
Well, you know, we can discern whether people are doing well spiritually as well. The Bible says the spiritual man discerns all things, yet he himself is discerned by no man. Right? I mean, you, you know, you can, you can tell when you're with people if you're just a little bit sensitive, like they're not where they should be. Something's not, something has happened, right? Well, you know, that if, you're, if your inward man is not prospering, the outer man will definitely be affected by that. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, are you still here today? Yes. Don't, don't go to the cafeteria. I don't even know if they're open yet. Stay with me. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and verse 8, it says, Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The Amplified Bible says, you know, spiritual training, spiritual training. So bodily exercise is good, don't misunderstand me, and it produces physical strength, right? You, you, you know, I wish you could grow muscles just by having a weight machine in your, in your garage. I wish you could look like Mr. Atlas just by subscribing to Bodybuilding Magazine, but it doesn't work that way, right? You know, so, so physical exercise produces physical strength. Spiritual exercises produces spiritual strength, and spiritual strength is called godliness. Godliness. Which, what does that mean? being like God. So that means you could be more like God, having God-like qualities manifest and evident in your life or less, even though you are a child of God. Isn't that right? Otherwise, why write this? Right? So being godly, obviously, first of all, that, that wouldn't describe having Christ-like character. Right? So that means you have to stay spiritually fit or you're going to slide into carnality. It happens automatically. Right? So, so if, you, if you don't stay, keep yourself spiritually in tune, sharp, strong, you're going to slowly allow the world and sinfulness to creep in and, and take you captive. It's going to happen. Just, just write it down. It's going to happen. In other words, if you want to be physically unfit, what do you have to do? Nothing. Not a thing in this world. Just buy a bag of Cheetos and plop down on the couch. You'll be there, buddy. You'll be there. Just, do, just eat and do whatever you feel like doing. And obviously, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> So if you want to be carnal, what do you have to do? Nothing. Same a thing. Just go to church when you feel like it, which is not always every Sunday, right? Well, it's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. Did I, hello, did I say something wrong? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, I don't look like I have a friend in this place at all. Jeppy, smile or say amen. I'm your ride home. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. But, but godliness also means having Christ-like qualities in our life. And Christ was never sick. 
So years ago, years ago, the Lord dealt with me and told me, I want you to begin ministering healing to the sick. He said that several years ago, it was 20 years ago. And um, I had heard a, a very respected, beloved man of God make this statement. He said in one meeting that I attended, if you'll notice, most people who have an effective healing ministry have also been dramatically healed of a, you know, a life-threatening condition themselves. Well, I had been healed of God of various things, but never like that, never a life-threatening condition. So when the Lord told me, I want you to minister healing, I reminded him what this minister said. And the Lord spoke to me and said these words, when I was here in the earth, I was never sick one day my entire life, and I had a pretty good healing ministry. That's exactly, that's, that is verbatim. That is exactly what he said to me. And I thought, good point. <laughs> Amen. Christ was never sick. So part of being godly, see, some people have integrity, praise God. They, 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 they have, they have uh, you know, good morals, high standards, wonderful. You know, they're honest as the day is long, they're faithful, they're loyal, and they're sick as a dog. And they're afraid of sickness. Come on, some people are social distancing in their cars. Have you noticed that? What's that all about? <laughs> I don't get that. Do you get that? I'm still scratching my head. Like the stoplights there and the car in front of you is like, you know, six car lengths ahead of you. Just, just in case. You've been drinking that smart water, haven't you? <laughs> What's that all about? <laughs> There's a lot of fear. We've seen that. We've seen that. A lot of fear. And, and that's, that's the opposite of faith, isn't it? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I got to move on. Hallelujah. So God himself is not sick. And there's no sickness in heaven. Praise the Lord. So if we will stay spiritually fit, it, it stands to reason that we can enjoy exemption from sickness and disease. We don't have to live in sickness. It doesn't have to be a part of our lives. I'm not criticizing or trying to make somebody feel bad because they're struggling area. The opposite, I'm trying to encourage you, inspire you, and help you. Amen? If you think sickness is a blessing, you haven't been sick. Isn't it funny? In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, God said to Israel, if you keep my law, all these blessings will come on you. And then if you don't keep my law, all these curses, and those curses included sickness and disease. So when did the switch, when did the list get switched? Well, really, my diabetes is a blessing. It keeps me humble. Well, it's funny, you know, in Deuteronomy, it was a curse. When did it become a blessing? Then again, some people say, well, you know, really, money is a curse. Oh, Lord, curse me. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> don't, don't make money your master. Let it be your servant. Problem's not with money. It's what you do with it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. 
God paves his streets with gold. <laughs> Amen. And I read 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, 8. Verse 6 says in the New King James, to be nourished in the words of the faith. Nourished. If you want to be strong physically, you have to have a good diet. Once again, I'm really embarrassed to be standing in front of you. I have to buy like double X now. You have to have a, you have to have a good diet, right? Now, some people are super careful what they put into their mouth. They read every label. You know, that's got red dye number five. That'll kill you. Don't you dare eat that. My wife says like, there are two grams of sugar in every serving. And I say, so? And your point is? <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. <laughs> Some people are super careful what they put into their mouth, but they put anything into their mind. So we need a good spiritual diet. Hallelujah. Hippocrates said around the year 400 B.C., let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. So when I'm not feeling up to par, I double up on my word intake. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. A lot of people can just feed themselves into better health spiritually. Feeding on God's word. I don't really have time to do that. They have time to watch six hours of television at night. Come on, some people, I'm not saying this because I'm preaching, but if the sermon goes five minutes over, they start looking at their watch. They start, you know, making eye contact. And then they'll spend another 45 minutes in the foyer after the service is over chatting about the weather. <laughs> What's that about? Amen. It's true. Hurry up, pastor, finish so I can go home and watch the Netflix series. Let me turn on my HBO and send to the Max, uh, Cinemax. <laughs> so when you become depleted, you are easily defeated. Amen. Hallelujah. Now notice the scripture. I'm, I'm almost done. I can see that worried look on your face. In Exodus 15, 26, Exodus 15, 26, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. The Hebrew says, I am your physician. Again, I've heard some people say things like this. I think my own father said this to me once years ago, like, better be careful, be careful. You know, it's okay to go to church, and, but don't get too close to God because if you do, he might afflict you. I've heard people say things like that, said it to me. Don't get, be careful, just watch it, watch it. You know, it's okay to praise God, but be don't go too far. If you get too close to God, he might just pow, sap you. In other words, he might make you sick. But here, he, God said, I am the Lord, your physician. Generally speaking, I think physicians are not in business of making well people sick, but making sick people well. 
right? In the gospels, Jesus is the will of God in action. We see him continually healing the sick, but never once do we see him making anyone sick. Never once did Jesus say to a sick person, it's not God's will to heal you. We don't see that in the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not one single time did ever say it's not God's will to heal you. Since Jesus never said that, by what authority do you say that? He never once said, God's using the sickness to deepen your piety, whatever that is. He healed the sick. In fact, they, 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 they came to arrest him in the garden and Peter pulled out a knife and swung at a, the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. He was trying to cut off his head, but he missed. He cut off his ear. And Jesus said, enough of this, picked up, evidently, picked up the man's ear, put it back on his head and said, allow this. And he healed the guy. So if Jesus was willing to heal a man who was part of an angry mob that had come to arrest him and crucify him, are you going to sit there and tell me he's not willing to heal you? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Please sit down. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look. Look, look at your neighbor and say, I think he's talking to you. Check and make sure that ear is still there. Hallelujah. Notice he said, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. Okay, so I was in the airport in New Delhi, India, and I was seated next to this fellow who's from America also. And as we chatted, I discovered he was a Hebrew scholar. And he had come to India to translate the Old Testament into some, a particular language. And so we were talking, and, uh, and I mentioned this verse, uh, Exodus 15, 26, where it says, I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. And I told him, I have heard that it could and should be translated, I will not allow any of these diseases to be put on you. And he wasn't like a word of faith guy. He wasn't a charismatic guy. But he said to me, you're right. That's exactly right. It could be translated, I will not permit, I will not allow. There's a big difference between permission and commission. Just because something happens, that doesn't mean it's God's will for you. Some people think everything that happens is God's will. So they join Doris Day and sing K Sara Sara. <laughs> well, if everything that happens to you is God's will, then why did Jesus teach his disciples to pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Because if God's will is always done, why bother praying at all? No, come on. Certainly not everything that happens in this world or even in your life is God's will. That's why we need the scriptures. That's why we need the discerning of the Holy Spirit. Are you out there today? Hallelujah. But this promise is conditional. I've got to hurry. He said, if you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God. In other words, it's not enough to be familiar with certain scriptures. We also need to listen to the Holy Spirit. 
I think some people, they, they, they know some principles, that's great. They're familiar, they've memorized certain promises, that's great. But if you're not going to listen to the Holy Spirit, you're not going to walk in divine health. I referred to Kenneth Copeland. Let me refer to him again. So he said, this was some years ago, that he was suffering from migraine headaches, terrible migraine headaches, just, 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 just annoying, just, 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 you know, just, just totally, um, what's the right word? Bad. Anyways, migraine headaches. And so he had prayed, he, you know, he had, you know, he had, uh, uh, you know, stood on the word of God, confessed God's word, everything he could think of, you know, and, and he's still suffering with these migraine headaches. So he told his, his wife and uh, uh, staff, I, I've got a cabin in the woods. I'm going to go there and I'm going to fast and pray until I get deliverance from this. And so I may be gone for, you know, weeks and months. If you don't hear from me, just leave me alone. You know, I'm going to be there. So he went off into this cabin, you know, in the woods. And within the first few minutes that he was there, the Lord spoke to him and said, stop drinking coffee. And he thought, that doesn't sound spiritual. <laughs> that couldn't be God. You know, if it was God, there's a spirit of migraine, you know, in the heavenlies that we got to cast it down, you know. <laughs> so he went back to praying, you know, you know, with all of his might. And again, the Spirit of God said to him, just a still small voice, stop drinking coffee. So he went back home. And they said, are you back already? It's only been an hour. He said, yeah, I got my answer. He stopped drinking coffee and all the migraines left. Now, that doesn't mean it's a sin for you to drink coffee. God didn't say it was a sin. It's just for him that evidently that was causing a problem in his life. I know, I know we have a lot of coffee drinkers here. You look nervous. It's okay. I'm not telling you. I, I'm not the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you. That's what the Lord said to him. <laughs> there are a lot of sinners here. <laughs> no, I didn't say it was a sin, okay? So I used to have, and I have, uh, I have struggled with erosion in my teeth, I had to have several uh, the fronts of my the front of my teeth uh, resurfaced, you know, and they put like not caps, but you know, like the, you know, big fillings on the front, and, and the, you know, and, the, and we couldn't figure out why. And the dentist is saying to me, "You're brushing too aggressively. Brush gently." I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not manhandling the toothbrush. I don't. And then there's that you're grinding your teeth. I'm not when you sleep, you must be grinding your teeth. I asked my wife, "You stay awake." She's a light sleeper. <laughs> <laughs> it's her ministry. She's a light sleeper anyway, so she kind of sleeps with one eye anyway, closed, one eye open. And you tell me if I'm grinding my teeth, you know. She, no, she, she just said you pass gas, but you don't grind your teeth. <laughs> Medical breakthrough, you know. <laughs> Who would have thought? No, so that's, that, so, so, you know, we can't figure out what's wrong with my teeth, you know. And so I was in India and I had lunch. I was, in a, in a, I was preaching somewhere in a room by myself and, and there was a, two big bottles of Coca-Cola. And as I was thinking about this, what's going on? You know, I keep losing my teeth and looked at those empty bottles and inside my heart, the Spirit of God said, that's your problem. Because I used to drink a whole two liter bottle every day. Maybe that's, you know, how I got to be 
as I am. <laughs> I don't do that now because you know, I have the Holy Spirit and my wife and they tag team. <laughs> right? And I didn't say that you couldn't drink Coca-Cola. I'm not, once in a while I do have a Coke when Jeppy's not looking. But, you know, but, but that, was, that was the thing. That was, that was my problem. If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, he might tell you, don't eat that. That's not good for you. Are you listening to me? If you, he said, I'm the Lord, your physician. If you went to the doctor today, he would probably examine you and then prescribe a treatment. He would tell you, do this. You know, don't do this anymore. I want you to do this. But if you're not going to listen to him, he can't help you. We come to God for healing thinking he's just going to zap us and boom, our problems are gone. But there's a very strong possibility when you come to God for healing, he's going to give you instructions. And if you never want to listen to anything, then there's not much God can do for you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I got to move on. Praise the Lord. Notice he also said, and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. In other words, if you keep the law. However, we're not under the law, you see. We're under a new covenant. Galatians 5.14 says this, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So we could paraphrase Exodus 15.26 in New Testament language. If you walk in love toward others, I will take sickness away from the midst of you. So that means, see, loving your neighbor, that, does that mean that every stranger I meet on the highway, on, on the sidewalk, in the neighborhood, I just have to have warm, fuzzy feelings and hot tears streaming down my cheek? If you do like, they're going to put you in a mental institution if you do that. I don't know that that's humanly possible. I don't even, I don't see that Jesus did that either. What does it mean? It means treat the other fellow the way you want to be treated. Amen. Amen. So how you treat other people has something to do with divine health. Not just, not just, see, um, isn't it amazing how nice we can be to people when we want them to do something for us? When we need a favor, we're like sudden. See, whenever people come to my office and they're like super nice, I know there's a punchline coming, you know, how much? <laughs> when my son sends me a message, a text message and dad, I really appreciate you, I say, how much? <laughs> Right? And isn't it also interesting how we can almost totally ignore people if we don't believe they can do anything for us? So God's concerned about the quote-unquote little people in your life. Amen. The Bible says, oh, I could preach another sermon. I could preach three sermons, give you a real bargain today. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 20, the rich has many friends. That's true in the body of Christ, too. If I flew in here on a private jet and I'm on TV and, you know, and I've, I, I, dro I've drove up in an entourage of vehicles, everybody would say, he's the greatest preacher in the world. Can I, can I be with you? 
There's a, there, I don't want to go there too far, but the church in America is not purpose-driven. It's market-driven. That needs to change. Amen. I got to finish. Why do you keep saying that? To give you hope. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> okay, I see my wife's getting nervous right now. Okay, Mark eleven twenty four is one of our favorite verses. You know, believe you have received it and it will be yours. Glory to God. Wonderful verse. I'm sure you know that verse, right? You're making me nervous, right? Well, if Mark eleven twenty four is good, what's wrong with verse 25? And when you stand praying, forgive. See, that means we're still talking about the same subject. You don't begin a new topic with and. When the phone rings, you don't pick, up, pick it up and say and. So that means you're still praying. Believed you have received it and. Wait a minute, don't sit down yet. Wait a minute, don't go anywhere. And if you have anything against anybody, forgive. Why would he say that right after talking about mountain moving faith and praying the prayer of faith? Because the main reason why many word-educated Christians fail is because of unforgiveness. If you want to walk in divine health, you have to be a very forgiving person. If you want to be forgiven, you must be forgiving. Hallelujah. Amen. So I mentioned Brother Hagin, uh, or I didn't? Well, now I mentioned it. Brother Hagin said that he was in one church holding a meeting and a woman came to him and said, Brother Hagin, I'm confused. I don't understand because my family, she said, is the most faithful family in this church. We, we attend every service. We're involved in all kinds of helps ministry. We serve, we tithe, we pray, we live right. And if any of us ever get healed by God, it's just like a miracle. It's, we have to pray and fast and bawl and scrawl, you know, uh, you know, just crawl on our knees, cry out to God, and maybe after a long time, eventually, you know, one of us might get a little bit healed. My husband's family is the most unfaithful people in this church. They hardly come to church, just CEOs, Christmas, Easter only people. They don't serve. They hardly give anything. They, they, you know, they're not involved in anything. And yet when one of them gets sick and they pray, bam, instantly, they all of them, they just get healed like that. She said, I feel like God's made a mistake. He's healing the wrong people. <laughs> so Brother Hagin said, well, I don't know um, your husband's family, but if I was to guess, I would say they're probably quick to believe, quick to repent, and quick to forgive. Her eyes got big as saucers and she said, Brother Hagen, you hit the nail on the head. They're the most forgiving people I've ever met in my life. You could just slap them and say, hey, I'm sorry. And they'd say, I forgive you and let it go. Whereas she said, my family, we know we have to forgive you, but we're gonna nurse it. 
We're going to hold on to that as long as possible. And even after we forgive you, we're going to remind you. I forgave you, remember? He said, that's the problem. Are listening to me? See, faith works by love and love forgives. A lot of people would be healed if they would just let it go. You know, the devil brings irritating people into your life to trip you up, to cause you to lose your temper, get all upset, hold a grudge. But I, but I also believe by the same token that God brings irritating people into your life. Why? Well, it's no, no great thing for you to love the lovable. Lord, help me to walk in love like Christ did. So here comes this irritating, angry, nasty person into your life. What is this? God, I rebuke you. I bind you. I... <laughs> you, don't, you don't grow in love until you have to love unloving, unlovable people. Who knows? Maybe you're that one. <laughs> Amen. I thank God for all the irritating people in my life. They've helped me to improve my love walk. They've helped me to grow in patience. They've helped me to pray more. Thank God for them. Maybe I'm that person to them. I don't know, but someone, you know, but, but walking in love is the key. Again, I got to close now. I'm not used to starting at 9 a.m. I, I still feel I need to go till the afternoon. Anyways, in Exodus 23, 25, we read this earlier. Exodus 23, you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and water and I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. Many translations say, you shall worship the Lord your God. Does worship have something to do with divine health? I think it does. I, I, I love the worship here. It was just like, it's, it's heavenly. But I will say this, 15 or 20 minutes on Sunday is not a substitute for the rest of your week. And, 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 and you all are, 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 are responsive people and that's great. But I'll just say this too. It's not enough to just merely attend a worship service. You have to be a worshiper. Right? Some people just kind of sway in the dark. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> God does not inhabit the blank stares of his people. <laughs> he inhabits the praises of his people. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. So worship is not only good, it's good for you. I've lived in Nagaland, Northeast India for about 30 years. And I've never been seriously sick. I've, I've never had typhus, typhoid, malaria, and it's, it's all over the place there. And in fact, I have a lot of doctors in my church, and I said, I guess malaria is not a big problem in Nagaland. He looked at me and said, most of my patients have malaria. He said to me, it must be the covenant working in your life. Why is that? Two, two reasons, real quickly. One, because I'm in God's will. He called me to be there. And there's, there's extra grace to be there. I think that's one reason. Another reason is because I'm spiritually vigilant. The Bible says be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour everyone. If he, devour, if he could devour everyone, he wouldn't have to seek for someone to devour. 
This is be vigilant. Vigilant means alert to danger. You hear a funny sound in the night, you get up and check what's going on. You're vigilant, right? If, you, if you're not vigilant, you just go back to sleep and you wake up the next morning, your TV's gone. That's not being vigilant. So be spiritually vigilant. The first time there's a symptom or something's not right in my body, I deal with it. I jump on it. I, I, I stand on the word of God. I speak God's word. I, 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 I resist it. It's easier to refuse a package than to return a package. So don't, don't, don't accept it. When sickness comes to your front door, don't sign for the package. Say, I don't, I don't receive that. See, some people, get a little, some, some, people, some people get a little symptom and they say, I think I got cancer. Pastor, pray for me. I believe I have cancer. Well, according to your faith, be it done unto you. You believe you have it. Don't believe you have it. Are you listening to me? It's easier to walk in divine health than to get healed after sickness has come. So be more vigilant. Hallelujah.